I don't know how many of you are Chicago Cubs fans, but if you are, you undoubtedly remember Harry Carey. And uh, Harry Carey was the announcer for the Cubs for years and years and years. And uh, I always thought it'd be funny to hear him do a rendition of a baseball game with biblical characters. Maybe you heard this. Uh, this has been on the radio before, and I do a poor imitation of Harry Carey, but it goes something like this. Here's Moses stepping up to bat. He's standing up there. Suddenly, oh my goodness, he has a headache, and he steps out of the box. He gets a couple tablets, and he breaks the tablets. Now here's Lazarus stepping up to bat. Peter looks in for the sign. He throws the ball. And he hits him in the head. And Lazarus is down. And he's dead. But he's alive again. Man, oh man, that guy knows how to take one for the team. Now it's time for Abraham to step into bat. Abraham looks in. He peers at the pitcher. Pitcher, the pitcher Peter, winds up and throws the ball. And Abraham sacrifices. I thought you guys would laugh more. Come on, give me some pity. Pity laugh at least. You know. Abraham sacrifices. Genesis 22, huh? Abraham is told by God to sacrifice his son, his only son Isaac, and to climb up on Mount Moriah. And of course, halfway up, Isaac asks, where is the sacrifice? Where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? Where is the lamb for the sacrifice? My father. Abraham's answer? God will supply the lamb for the sacrifice, my son. God will supply the lamb for the sacrifice, my son. God will supply the lamb for the sacrifice, my son. We've been studying the Apostles' Creed, and of course, in the first Sunday, we heard about Jesus being the Lord and our God. Three weeks back, we heard about the incredible thing that happened when Mary conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Son of God, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and we were amazed. As a matter of fact, we indicated the message that day was nothing, as you guys say it, is impossible with God. Nothing what? Is impossible with God. The following week, we said that there was significance in the life of Jesus from the time he was born until the time he died, until the time he rose, until the time he ascended. He did something for us. He kept the commandments of God perfectly for us, and he needed to do that so that he could be a holy, unblemished sacrifice for sin, because the sacrifice for sin had to be a holy, sinless sacrifice, and that's why Christ's life mattered from the time he was born, actually conceived, until the time he ascended up into heaven it had to be a holy unblemished sacrifice and then last week pastor tim preached beautifully about the suffering servant jesus under pontius pilate and we talked about the significance of pontius pilate and talked about about some historical and archaeological discoveries that have been made to verify and authenticate 
that Pontius Pilate was a real guy. And so that's where we've been. And today we simply talk about the death of Christ. What amazing things happen at the death of Christ. We're going to be talking about that today. It's a deeper meaning of the death of Christ. And if I were to ask you, what is the meaning of the death of Christ? You might simply say, well, he died to take away my sins. And that would be a right answer. But I want to give you a fuller, deeper, richer meaning to the death of Christ today. And hopefully when you leave here today, you'll say, wow, I didn't know that stuff. I didn't know why that happened, but now I get it. I have a richer, deeper, fuller meaning of the death of Jesus Christ in my behalf. And for us to understand in a deeper, richer, wonderful way the death of Christ, we need to understand why the death of Christ was necessary. Because really, the death of Christ doesn't mean anything to us unless we understand the meaning and significance of why it was necessary. And so I ask you the question today, why was the death of Christ necessary? Because of our what? Sin. Sin. Oh, we hate to hear that word sin oftentimes in church because a lot of times we associate the word sin with the, the Capitol Hill rapist or a murderer or an offender or an adulterer or someone who does some heinous crime. But we being sinners, you see, sin is not just a flaw. It's not just a mistake. It's not just, you know, a fault that we have. Sin, listen to this, sin, listen to this, is a transgression of God's holy law. It is being unkind, unloving, and unforgiving. It is sometimes seen in our lives by our anger, or our wrath, or our malice, or our slander, or our abusive speech. Sometimes it manifests itself by our covetousness, by our gossip, by our arrogance, or our pride, or our lust. And indeed, listen to this, sin, unless something happens to remove it, separates us from God. Sin, unless something happens to remove it, separates us from God. Now, talking about separation, this is an amazing thing. This is the Old Testament temple. And you probably know this, that, that the sacrificial system in the Old Testament demanded that, as you look here, this is the holy place. Behind here is the most holy place, or the holy of holies. And on the Day of Atonement, the priest would come from here where the people were and go back here where only God reigned and God dwelled and he would sacrifice, anybody know? He would sacrifice a lamb on the Day of Atonement to symbolically represent the fact that someday a holy, unblemished God-man would be sacrificed for the sins of all the world. So this was a type of foreshadowing that happened here one day out of the year when the priest would go back here in the Holy of Holies and sacrifice a lamb on the Ark of the Covenant, on what we call the mercy seat. 
So that symbolically it could represent that someday the once all-sufficient, holy, unblemished, sinless, stainless Lamb of God would be sacrificed on the cross for the sins of the whole world. Fast forward to Good Friday. And after Jesus, in an agonizing way, is on the cross for six bloody, horrible, excruciatingly painful hours, he suddenly cries out in a loud, victorious, triumphant voice, It! You say it. By the way, some people get mad at me when I get so loud. I can't help it, guys. This is such cool stuff. Okay, it is what? Okay, that meant that our sin was paid for, that hell was experienced, that death was vanquished, and Satan was defeated. Because I want to tell you, Satan did not want Jesus to die on that cross. He would do anything he could, especially in the Garden of Gethsemane, to get Jesus away from his focus, his mandate, his mission to go to the cross. And so the holy, unblemished Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, dies for the sins of the world, for your sin and mine. And then at that very moment, don't miss this, guys. At that very moment, guess what happens? In the temple, this curtain is torn in two, representing that now God and man are brought together, that mankind has direct access to God, that there is reconciliation to God, that there is no separation, no partition, no barrier between us and God. When the temple curtain was torn in two, God was saying, I want you to be adopted in my family. By faith in what my son Jesus Christ did for you, I want you to know that I'm for you, that I'm with you, that I love you, that I forgive you, that you're my child, that you're adopted into my family, that there's no longer a barrier called sin separating me from you. It's been torn down through the finished work of my son Jesus Christ. This is awesome. You see, it has significance and meaning why that curtain was torn. Now God's people have direct access to God. Now no unblemished, sinless, if you will, lamb had to be sacrificed. The lamb of God, Jesus Christ, was sacrificed once and for all so that we could have a real, authentic union, communion, and fellowship with God so that we and God are tight. We're one. We're in fellowship with him, and his love reigns upon us. Now, is that all that happened when Jesus died? Did you catch the text? Pretty amazing. What else happened? Jesus dies. The temple curtain is torn in two. We have direct access to God. We're reconciled to God. We're at peace with God through repentance and faith in what Jesus has done for us. This is what forgives our sins. This is what gives us access way to heaven. But something else happened. The moment Jesus died, that is incredible. Did you catch it? I mean, not only the earthquake and the rocks splitting and all that kind of stuff, but did you catch the gospel readings today? Dead people... We're raised from the dead. And it says in our text, 
explicitly that they stayed in their tombs until after the resurrection. Now, my question automatically is, what in the world did they do for those 36 hours, you know? They stayed in the, in the tombs, they hung out, and then after the resurrection, they appeared to all these different folks in Jerusalem. Can you imagine, it's Easter Sunday morning, you're sitting there having breakfast, your uncle Ralph, who died 20 years before, but was a believer in the coming Messiah, all of a sudden appears in your room, at the breakfast table. How whacked out is that? Honestly, is there any significance and meaning to that? Yes! The moment Jesus died and the temple curtain was torn in two, these dead folks being raised was a symbolic indicator that someday we're going to rise from the dead because Christ has been raised and God accepted the sacrifice of his son because Christ died and Christ rose and God accepted that sacrifice, someday we too are going to be raised from the dead and will live with Jesus. The people I really feel sorry for is those folks who had to come back from heaven to earth. Can you imagine that? I mean, you've been with the Lord for 20 years, all of a sudden an angel comes to you and says, you got to go back to earth. <laughs> you got to appear to those people. You got to live there for a while. Can you imagine the stories they told? Can you imagine the experiences they shared if they did that at all? And maybe God blotted it out from their mind. I have no idea. But all this means that we have forgiveness of sin through the torn temple curtain indicating that we're united to God, we're reconciled to God, that our sin no longer separates us from God, and those people being raised from the dead indicates that we too will be raised and eternal life and heavenly mansions above are opened up to all those who repent of their sin and believe in Jesus Christ. So my question for you is, are you in or out? <laughs> do you believe this or not? Do you trust in Jesus? Or do you say, no, I still have my doubts? And we've talked about this so many times. I mean, Jesus rose from the dead. He hung out for a long time. He gave irrefutable evidence that he was alive. We get that. We know that. We believe that. And if you believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus, then guess what? The access way to God has been opened. You're someday going to be raised from the dead and you'll spend eternity with our Heavenly Father. Not because of what we've done, but all because of what Christ has done in our behalf. Thanks be to God that we have a Savior, a Lord, a Redeemer, a King who lived, and we talked about that a few weeks ago, who lived for us, died for us, and rose again for us so that we could have forgiveness of our sin, the wall of sin taken away, and eternal life is ours through faith in what Jesus has done. And here's what God is telling us to do now. Take that message and proclaim it and share it with other people who don't have a relationship with God. We got this board over here. It says, one, many of you put someone on that card indicating someone who needs Jesus desperately. We have 12 cards now by the power of the Holy Spirit that have been turned over indicating that by the power of the Holy Spirit, these people believe in Christ. This message that we have in Jesus Christ is not just for us. 
And God has given us the mandate and the mission to talk about what happened on Good Friday, to talk about why this temple curtain was torn in two, to talk about the fact that folks rose from the dead the day that Jesus died, indicating that someday we're going to be raised and we have eternal life too in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. That message needs to get out. This is why our mission statement is reaching what? Reaching what? Our community with Christ. Oh, that God would fill these pews with people that are bubbling and excited and anticipating a message from God every Sunday morning when they come to this place. Not that I'm God. I'm a poor, miserable vessel, an error-prone, fallible sinner. But every Sunday I pray, God, get me out of the way. Speak boldly to your people. Help them to understand your word. So that their word, your word, would have impact upon their life and transform their soul and help them by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, to make you known in a community that desperately needs to know the love of God in Christ. How many people are in church on Sunday morning in Arvada, Colorado, even on Easter? 25%. This is why China is sending missionaries Guess where? To the United States. We don't have to do mission work overseas, guys. We've got it across the street, across the fence. The person we're sitting next to at the ball game, whose kids are on the field with our kids, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the mission field is wide open. And so we take this message, the significance of the death of Christ, that we're reconciled to God, that someday because these dead folks were raised, we're going to be raised too. We take that message to the streets and we tell people, you need Jesus in your life just as we do. Now there's one th more thing I want to talk about that happened at the base of the cross. So all this happens, the rocks split, the earth shakes, Jesus dies, it's as dark as night, amazing things happen, dead folks are raised, the temple curtain is torn in two, and the centurion standing at the base of the cross, who's beheld the last six hours of Jesus' life before he dies, and finally when Christ says, it is finished, and into your hands I commit my spirit, what does that centurion say? Surely... This was the Son of God. We don't say that today. We say, surely, this is the Son of God. And we say, Father, where is the Lamb for the sacrifice? And God the Father comes back to us and he says, I provided the lamb for the sacrifice. My precious son, my precious daughter, it's Jesus, my only begotten son. Repent and believe in him and live forever and know that your sins are forgiven. And oh yes, P.S. God is telling us. Tell others about him. And that is the significance and meaning of the death of Jesus Christ. Let's have a word of prayer.
Father, thank you so much for the power of your word that tells us that that temple curtain was torn in two, indicating that we have direct access to you, Heavenly Father, through faith in what your son Jesus did for us when he died for us. And because of what he did for us, God, you're for us, you love us, you forgive us, you call us your own. Worthy is the lamb whose blood was shed, whose life was taken on the cross in full payment for our wrongs. God, empower us by the Holy Spirit then to take this message to people that need it. God, we know that Easter is coming up just two weeks away, and we know that we're going to rub shoulders with people that have no relationship with you who may be very open to an invitation to come to church on Easter. God, I pray that more and more of those cards on that bulletin board to my right would be turned over as the years go by, that more and more of these people that we're praying for, that we're praying that their life would change and the Holy Spirit would come into their lives and they would make a confession of Christ, that more and more of that would happen as years go by. God, thank you for rescuing us for giving us your Holy Spirit so that we can appropriate the merits of Jesus by repentance and faith and say in full confidence, he died for the sins of the whole world. He died for me. Oh, Lord Jesus, let us always have that confession upon our lips. In the precious name of you, Lord Jesus Christ, we pray all these things. Amen.